Dungeons and Drimbus is rated R for rude language, rough violence, and raunchy humor. I do declare here's what happened previously on Dungeons and Drimbus. After Jessica and Gary search Dot's apartment, Thomas recommits to the idea of justice and heads to the courthouse early. He chats with Monique Valentine, reconvenes with the rest of the group, and they go over the evidence. They believe the clues point towards someone named Hagatha, and decide to talk to Monique again. After some tough prying, they discover that someone named Hagatha works for her firm out of Mallow and Shores all the way on the west coast. A very long trip. To expedite their investigation, they decide to head back towards Sapir to visit Ostrogon the Wizard in hopes of some teleportation magic. I do declare your honor is back in session. Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I will be riding out to go see if Ostrogon could give me fast travel over to the West Coast. You two are welcome to join. You are welcome to do whatever you like, since that is what you two are incredibly good at. I am going to be discovering the truth of Dot's murder, so do what you will. And then he's going to ride out towards Ostrogon's tower. Ah, Jessica... He's probably not going to be super happy with us after uh, promising him a a grand entrance. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all we got to do is get a sandwich. Sure, that's how people work. (laughs) I mean him specifically. (laughs) Well, everyone loves free food. Sure, that sounds like a good plan to me, yeah. Or maybe we get a discount at uh, McNeil Meadery. Oh yeah, I'm sure McNeil Meadery is really going to be wanting to give a discount to the people that uh, that got him good. Safest thing to do is just go to Sapir. Let's just go to Sapir. Yeah, because I mean I I want to try to make it up to Thomas. Well, I don't know what's going to make him happy, honestly. He's a stubborn ass, but he's our ass. <laughs> and I unhitch Wade. Shall we, Gary? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> 
As you come out, you see the Cyclops is around Tony the Pony. He's <gasps> massaging Tony, and he says, You know, Tony, No. sooner or later, those little legs are going to give out. Hey, hey there, you... I unfold the foldable rapier from my suitcase, and I, like, swat, like, in his direction, like, Get back! Go! Get! Get! You <laughs> start doing that, and he, like, swats it away. He goes, Stop! Stop! Get, all right! All right! I'm go, going! I'm going! Go! Uh, and he, he walks across the road and then turns his head over his shoulder and says, One of these days, Anthony, one of these days. And instead of like the two fingers pointing to the eyes, pointing back, two fingers to one, one eye. <laughs> Did he hurt you, Tony? <laughs> And he, he shakes his head. No. Okay. Wait, before we go anywhere, Tony, did you happen to pick up any useful information? <laughs> he looks at you confused and then points his nuzzle down towards the several games of tic-tac-toe he's been playing with Wade. Oh, it looks like Wade won a few. That's good no, for you, Wade. No, no, that's Tony's handwriting. See? Well, I said a few. I didn't say he won all of them. Jeez, we can both have horses that do well. <laughs> we're doing great, sweetie. As Jessica strokes the head of Wade and goes, all right, I think we're off to Sapir now. And and she gives it a little um, swat of the reins. And you guys head out just a few minutes behind Popcorn and Thomas. As uh, around mid to late afternoon, you are arriving in Sapir. And you see that very familiar large wizard's tower with purple and pink bricks jutting up into the sky, looming in the distance. I'm going to take a quick stop at the tavern real quick. Okay. Uh, I'm going straight to the tower. Okay. Before he can get into the tavern, I'm like, now, just uh, hear me out for a moment. If Mr. McNeil is run in the tavern, it might be best if perhaps um, someone he does not know goes in and gets the sandwich. That would be me. Mr. McMill knows who you are. But I didn't go into his tavern. He only knows me in the lawyer sense. You recall that last time you guys came, they let you know that McNeil had left. Like he packed up his bags. Remember, you found him on the road. And you also remember that he is now under probation. He can only go home until the meadery. So you put two and two together and realize that McNeil is most likely not here. Oh, well, uh, never mind. Sorry. I was going to suggest I go in in a disguise. Oh. But if that's the case, I just swing open the door and go, Hello, tavern. I'm here. <laughs> tavern time. You swing open the doors to the tavern <laughs> and your little song reverberates through the wooden halls as it is just desolate and empty. Like no one at the front? No one. I run my finger over the countertop to check for dust. Oh, there's dust. I checked the back room where he was making the sandwiches. The equipment is there, like, to make sandwiches, but, like, the stock is cleaned out. It's empty. Ah, I knew we should have bought more sandwich back in uh, East Orgea. We should have pulled over at that Twilux on the way. <laughs> Thomas, you arrive at Ostrogon's Tower. What do you do? We're gonna knock on the door. Excuse me, Mr. Ostrogon, are you home? What do you want? Oh no, he went. Um, well, it, it's me. I made a fool of myself in uh, front of an entire courtroom. I completely understand, Ostrogon. I just want you to know I had nothing to do with what occurred at the court. No, no. And a sandwich is just, it's two pieces of bread and like a little rock in the middle flies out of the knocker and hits you in the head. <laughs> Ow. Okay. Ow. What are you? What am I? What are you? 
and a piece of bread flies out of the knocker and a second piece of bread flies out and they appear and cover your ears. Oh, no. <laughs> Do I have to say it? If I say it, will you take this? I'm, I'm, I'm an idiot sandwich. Okay, yes, can you take the bread off my ears now? And the bread gets sucked back up into the knocker. <laughs> can I come in, please? Are we done being a child? No. All right, I had nothing to do with what happened in court. I am deeply sorry for what my assistants decided to do. I, I was completely against it. I took your feelings into account. I said, Ostrogon's going to be very upset if you go down this road, not to mention it was the morally incorrect thing to do. You have to believe me, Ostrogon. I was on your side that entire time. So what do you want? Well, first of all, I want you to let me in as a friend. I am your ally here. This is a very private and personal space. You let us in the other day? No, I did not. I spoke to you through the knocker. Oh. Oh, all right. Is this better? And a cloud poofs, and Ostrogon is standing next to you. Yo, that's a little bit better, actually. Yes. What? What I want to ask you is about it's what- It's very hot out here. Please make it snappy. Okay, I'm trying. Give me a second. What I want to do is what you just did right now. How did you do that? Well, it's it's very simple magic. Uh, see, the knocker is infused with very simple teleportation magic, which lets me shoot the bread out. And then the rest of it is just kind of a little bit of basic levitation. Can you teleport people like you do yourself? Could you send us somewhere? Is that possible? I suppose I could. Okay, well, we need to get to the west coast. Can you send <laughs> us that far? <laughs> oh, that's funny. You know, oh, wow, I forgot about jokes. Those are good. Uh, the west coast. All right. What is so funny about that? Oh, you're serious? Yes, I'm quite serious. Do you understand how strenuous a teleportation that would be? I don't understand. Please enlighten me. <sighs> and he snaps his fingers and he poofs away again. And then through the knocker you hear the rustling of books. Yes. He licks his fingers. He starts rifling through them. Mallow and Shores. Mallow and Shores. Let me find my map. And you hear more rustling as you look around for the map. All right, I'll be honest with you. I've never been to the West Coast. I don't teleport very frequently. It's been a very long time, considering that I live in my tower, but... You just did it the other uh, day, into court. Yes, or out of court. Yes, it was a little risky, but at least I'm familiar with Brookhaven, so it's an easier spell to land. There is a roughly 25% chance I can get you exactly to Malwin Shorts. I only know it by description. I've never been there. There is roughly another 20 or so percent chance that I can get you part of the way there, but be off course by a little bit. Um, and there's roughly a 10% chance I can pop you in an area that is similar to Malwin Shorts. And then there's a 40% chance uh, some sort of mishap would occur. I see. Well, what kind of mishap would that be, exactly? Mathematical mishaps are very difficult to understand. Oh, right, uh, here's the other 
difficult part of this is that I would have to come with you. I don't see an issue with that. I would love to have you, Ostrogon. I don't like being out of my tower for that long. And point is, it's just unpredictable. It's difficult magic, especially since I don't have a good understanding of the area where I'm going, and so uh, likely it could result in some injury, mild, most likely. Uh, and then where we end up beyond that, roughly the same percentage of chances until we just end up somewhere. Ah, I'm afraid that's a risk I'm gonna have to take, Ostrogon. We really need to get there. Uh, but like, why would I want to do that? We could compensate you. Do you understand how many people are going to perceive me out on the road? But there'll be a lot of sandwiches out on the road, Ostrogon. Of different variety, West Coast so, sandwiches. Uh, what, what do you mean variety? Like pork sandwiches with ketchup instead of mustard? Oh, no, no, no. We're talking the real deal here. I, you've clearly never been out on the road too often before Ostrogon, but these sandwiches here, they are known as hoagies. Hoagie? The largest sandwich you've ever seen in your life. You've never seen a sandwich like this before, Ostrogon. I'm here to tell you, they are large. How big, Mr. Phelps? Quite. <laughs> Roll persuasion with advantage. Okay. 20, not natural. <gasps> Yeah. Okay, so Jessica and Gary, after looking through the very empty tavern, you guys begin walking out and towards the middle of town, so you pass by Ostrogon's tower. And Jessica, as you head to the tower, and Gary, as you continue further south towards the forge, you just see a big cloud of smoke envelop Thomas, and when the dust settles, you see Ostrogon is up off the ground holding Thomas by the collar, and he looks you dead in the face, his beard brushing up against your cheeks, and he says, I must have the hoagies. Uh, uh, you can have them. Let's, you know, let's just, let's try this magic thing out, and you can have all the hoagies you want. Very well, Mr. Phelps, whatever you require, I'm at your service. All right, very good. But I come back the moment we have the hoagies. Fair enough. Very well. Shall we? R right now. Well, no time like the present, right? Do you need to prepare anything? Uh, well, I'd like to pack a little bag. Okay, go pack a little bag, and then we'll be on our way. Okay, and he poofs away again as Jessica walks up behind you. So, he agree to help us, Thomas? You, it seemed like he was pretty excited there as I was walking up. Oh. Something about hoagies? Hi, Jessica, you're here now? Okay, so it seems like you decided to tag along. All right, uh... Yes, he was quite agreeable with me. That that's for certain. Thank you, Thomas. I'm I'm really trying to be helpful, Thomas, and I'm I'm sorry for what I did to you yesterday and you know, I it's it, it's really hard and I and I'm really trying and I I wish I knew what to do to to, to, to make it up to you, but I just don't know and Thomas rolls his eyes. <laughs> He doesn't know how to deal with crying. <laughs> and then he says, well, Jessica, you didn't necessarily do anything to me other than put me to sleep against my will without my consent, etc., etc., etc. But um, it's more so, I don't know, what you did to yourself. That that would be a tough decision I'd have to go on living with if I just made a bargain as opposed to finding the truth. That, that, that's just me, though. That That's just me. The thing is... In my point of view, Thomas, we did find the truth. I think our our versions of what the justice from that truth would be are different. 
And I think that's a good thing. I think having multiple viewpoints in this team is going to lead us to a stronger position and it's going to help us grow as a firm and, and our reputations will grow. And I think that's, that's a marvelous thing. I think there's going to be times that you and I agree and Gary thinks of one thing instead. And I think there will be times where I say one thing and you and Gary are on the same side. But when you're working on a team setting, that that's kind of the gig. Sometimes things don't go the way you want necessarily. And I don't mean to say it like, sometimes it won't go the way you want, Thomas. <laughs> I'm not trying to say it that way. We just have to be open to, to everyone's interpretation of justice. And I think that what we got him to do, what we got him to give up from his life was more constructive to, to the world than necessarily him spending X amount of seasons in the dungeon. I think we found a, a pretty good alternative to something to that. I'm sorry, I fell asleep halfway through that. Do you always ramble like that, Jessica? Do you go on and on and on? Look, I hear what you're saying about the whole, oh, we have different interpretations of justice. That is very clear to me, but... If that's the case, then maybe it's time that I no longer be on a team of any kind, okay? So, yeah, there. If that's really how you feel, Thomas, I there, I can't stop you. I won't stop you. If you feel strongly enough, do you want me to come along? That's completely up to you. You can make your own decisions, like you've done thus far. And we cut to Gary as you ride Tony the Pony over to the forge. And sure enough, you hear the sound of someone hitting an anvil. And Jeb hears the trotting and looks up and he goes, Oh, hello, lad. Good to see you again. And after seeing Thomas being thrusted up into the air and grabbed by the collar, he's like, he's going to kill him. Jeb. Sandwich. What? Who's going to get a sandwich? A, a sandwich. Uh, oh, let me go talk to Rohingya. And he runs into the house and, he, and you hear the door slam open. Rohingya, I need a sandwich. Stop. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. I, I barge in with Tony in the house. We need a sandwich. <laughs> you see Rohingya carrying the baby BB Getty Wells. And Rohingya goes, oh, uh, Jeff, you make all the good sandwiches. Yeah, right. Where's the bread? Where's the bread? And he starts looking around. And he goes, oh no! I need to run over to the rabbits! Ah! Let's go! Get on! And he runs across the way. He just smashes through the door to the rabbit house. Well, then he goes, rabbits! And you see Juniper, Mia, Job, all kind of bounce up and look back and they go, what? He goes, I need bread right now! They're going to kill him! Kill who? I don't know! Give me the bread! And Jeb bolts into the back. He throws a loaf of bread on him and he goes, Thank ya! He runs back to his house. He goes inside and says, Rohingya, the mayonnaise! And Rohingya throws him some, uh, a little pot of mayonnaise. He slathers it on. He goes, oh, I know all I have is a, is a half-eaten pork chop. Here you go. And he slams it on. He throws on a piece of cheese. He closes it. And he goes, here, lad, run. Run for your life. Thank you. <laughs> Tony does the Hanna-Marbera bongo, like, feet, like, and you bolt up towards the wizard's tower. And uh, Jeb is in the background saluting you. You barge in on this argument between Thomas and Jessica. No way! Way. Uh, Gary, way. is everything okay? Where's, where's Ostrogon? He's preparing a little baggie. 
Oh no, no, no! And I like put my face into the maw of the octopus. Don't do it! I have a sandwich, please! And you feel a hand press on your face through the knocker, <laughs> and everyone else sees a little green hand push your face out. <laughs> Mr. Ostagon, please, you don't have to do this. I have a sandwich. I can't wear a sandwich again. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, please, he didn't know. He didn't mean it. Gary, too, what? Well, I saw he was gonna... It looked like he was gonna, like, hurt, harm, kill. From what I overheard, it seemed that there was an agreement made and Ostrogon was gonna help teleport Mr. Phelps here in the agreement for some hoagies. Wait, Gary, you thought... You thought he was going to kill me? Yeah. And you rushed over here to stop him? Yeah. Why? Because we care about you, you dang dingus. You don't have to die over a sandwich. Okay, there, there's a, a little bit of a misunderstanding. I appreciate your concern, Gary, but he, he, that, that was not what was happening whatsoever. Uh, so what was with all the levitating and uh, it looked like you were in trouble? I, uh, me and Ostrogon here struck up a deal. It seems like he's going to give me passage over to the West Coast. Allegedly, we'll see how it goes. He's just going to let you do that? Well... There may have been a hoagie bargain or two, but yes, it's going to happen. And as this is happening, a cloud of smoke poofs in front of you. And you see Ostrogon standing in this long leather wizard's coat. He has little, like, the tiny oval black sunglasses. He is wearing a cowboy hat, and he has shaved his long beard into a really, really, really long goatee. And he has a, a stick over his shoulder with one of those little, like, cartoon, <laughs> like, like the red knapsack. Sack. Yeah. Uh, and he says, Hokies, here I come. Ostrogon, I must say, I do like your hat quite a bit. Where did you get it? Oh, just down the road. Oh. Very vague. Okay, strange. Are we ready to go? <laughs> yes. Are you all coming? Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, my horse here, too, uh, Tony. Oh, certainly. I can bring up to eight others. Do we have to bring the horse? I guess they're coming, too. I did not know my companions would be traveling with us. Oh, you, you don't have to bring popcorn if you don't want to. I didn't know I was bringing you, let alone the horses, Gary, so... Yeah, okay, I suppose all of us are traveling, Ostrogon. The three of us and the horses. He lowers his sunglasses to the tip of his very long, pointy nose and, like, slides right up against Tony's face, eye to eye, and says, Who is this strapping young lad? <laughs> this is Tony the Pony, ah. equestrian majesty. Tony bows his head and lifts up a hoof. <laughs> And Ostrogon <laughs> shakes it. And then he looks up at Popcorn and Wade, who are, like, above his head, and he goes, Don't kick me. <laughs> Don't you worry, Ostrogon. Wade is very well behaved. Aren't you, Wade? And I give him a nice little pat. Wade nods to you and then kind of brushes his head up against yours. Aww. And I nuzzle right back. I haven't been on an adventure in two centuries. Back then, people made a living out of killing people like you and I, Gary. Well, thank goodness we're not in those times anymore, eh? Well, ready to go? Yes, I suppose so. Three horses, three riders, one dapper wizard. And it claps his hands together, and you go up in a cloud of smoke.
halfway there. Keep climbing, lads. This, this is the halftime ad with Nikki B. Doesn't that just make you want to shake your keister? Half time zone. It's where you're at, baby. Here we go. Do you like playing pretend with dice? Of course you do! What's the only thing nerds like us like more than actually playing our games? It's getting those sweet, sweet accessories, mama. I'm talking about those sexy math rocks. Dice, baby. Dice accessories, dice towers, dice boxes, dice sandwich, and what's that? A dice catapult? You know, we're talking about our friends at the Elderwood Academy. They've got all the goods, all the goods, and when you go to elderwoodacademy.com slash dungeons and drimbus, you get a free Drimbus catapult on orders of $25 or more to throw those math rocks in style! Whew. I'm gonna calm down and I'm gonna say it one more time for you again. And then you can repeat it and go rewind and repeat it and, and listen to it again and again and again. But here it is. When you go to elderwoodacademy.com slash dungeons and Drimbus, you get a free Drimbus catapult on orders of $25 or more to throw those math rocks in style, baby. We open on the small town of Sapir. We see Jeb Getty in his workshop. He seems to be carving away at some piece of wood, shaping it into the head of a beautiful, ornate dragon. He sits there in peace, and after a moment, gets up and walks over to a mostly finished crib, and slots the piece of wood in, making one of the four posts. Hanging from an elaborate leather contraption in the middle of the forge is his daughter, B.B. Getty Wells, only a few seasons old. She gently twirls back and forth in her leather seat, and Jeb comes up to her and tickles her stomach. <laughs> oh, Pipi, there are no words to explain just how how much light you've brought into our lives. To be honest with you, I was I was a little nervous about becoming a father. Growing up in this small town, you know, it's most of what I know is here in the forge, creating these these weapons, these contraptions. He pulls a sword off of the wall and presents it to Bibi. He pulls out some beautiful metal dice, rolls them on the table. You know, if I hadn't gone to college at the Elderwood Academy, I'd never have met your mother, Rohingya. Oh, I just remember seeing her sculpting. It was a beautiful clay statue of a big demon lord. And from that moment on, I knew there was no question she was the one for me. And now, years later, here we are. Now I don't know what you're going to want to do with your life, but I want you to know that you have my support. And well, maybe you're a little young for this, but I wanted to give you this. And he opens an elaborate, ornate metal chest. 
and from deep within it, he pulls out a little wooden catapult. He says, This is the Drembus catapult. It's a rite of passage for all aspiring craftsmen at the Elderwood Academy. My father, Oman Jr., he went to the Elderwood Academy and he made the first Drembus catapult. And well, he gave it to me, and when I went to the Academy, I made mine, and now I'm giving it to you. And should you choose to follow in our family's fortune footsteps, I think it'd be nice for you to go to the Academy too one day and make your own Drimbus catapult. I think that'd be really beautiful. But of course, if you just want to be a lawyer or an artist or anything like that, well, I totally support you there too. But if you still want a catapult, you can always go to elderwoodacademy.com slash dungeonsanddrimbus. And with any order of $25 or more, you get a free Drimbus catapult. But I still think it'd be nice if you made your own. He wipes away a sentimental tear as B.B. Getty Wells stares at him in slight confusion. And then he says, So, what do you say today? I teach you all about welding. Well, wasn't that great? What are you waiting for? Go to elderwoodacademy.com slash Dungeons and Drimbus and use code Drimbus to support the show and get that catapult. And now, time to thank you. At the list here, it goes from best to greatest. So here we go. Jerry Benetados, thank you very much. Queso Loco, you're too kind. Thank you. John Mitchell, thank you, buddy. Terrence Knox, Thank you, man. Victoria Madrid. Thank you, sweetheart. Greta and Beignet. Thank you, Toos. Alejandro Lopez. Thank you, baby. Ace Andrews. Thank you, Ace. Emrys Craig. Thank you, baby. Ben B. Thank you, buddy. Thomas Murphy. Thank you, Thomas. Regina Russell. Thank you, sweetheart. Love you. Lazy Tortoise. Thank you. You're one shell of a patron. <laughs> <laughs> Morgan Holly, thank you, thank you. Uh, salty, that's uh, salt. Thank you, that's salty. Uh, who we got here? Evie Power, thank you. Let's put some power in there. And last but not lost, Adrian Bundy, thank you, pal. All right, and you know what? I love all of you. We love all of you guys, okay? Big love to all of you. Thank you so much. It means a ton. This music is great. It's rocking. I'm trying to keep you here as long as we can, but it's time to go back, and I know you're dying to find out what the hell just happened to me, too. So uh, let's go. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay. Ostrogon rolls a 24. <laughs> that means you are going to take 3d10 damage. 19. 
You feel your body get torn apart and then turn into this gaseous form as like your molecules recombine, but not to form your body, but rather these ethereal beings and you feel yourself transported betwixt planes. You go through the ethereal plane. You feel the heat of hell. You find yourself in some plane with all these white eyes staring at you as you kind of twist and turn throughout the different realities. And you feel your soul literally light on fire as you take 19 points of damage. Uh -huh. And now let's see what happens this time. And then he rolls a 61. After you take those 19 points of damage, you feel again all those molecules. You are currently not even in a state of matter. You are in some weird ethereal state in between existence. And you feel it get ripped apart again and then thrown back together. This time as you travel through planes, you see the mountains of Eastern Orgea. And then you flash out to the ethereal plane, back down to hell, back through all these other dimensions, and eventually you feel yourself kind of reform as you see something that resembles these kind of sandy planes. We cut to a large stretch of desert. You see these stucco houses kind of scattered throughout. There are no doors, just doorways. There are these broken down wooden stables and fences, a kind of rundown town. And the camera pans up to the sky. The sun is shining bright above as we see these forms begin to just pop out of nowhere in the air. We see a little goblin shoot out of nowhere, face first into the ground. <laughs> then we see a human, a red suit jacket floating in the wind behind him as he tumbles down onto the ground. <laughs> we see a stylish wizard in leather robes kind of appear and he swings his staff and manages to catch his footing as he slides down and lays flat on his back. And then we see an unconscious Jessica Felcher fly out of the air, a little bit of blood dripping down from her nose as she tumbles into the sand. Then followed by unconscious and dying Tony the Pony, Wade the Horse, and Popcorn the Horse as they are shot out thin air and tumble into the ground. You see them take some nasty hits as their joints kind of flex in ways they shouldn't, and they skid out into the desert. Oh god, uh, I, I try to scramble up on my feet. Ostrogon, where are you? Are you there? <laughs> where are we? Okay, doesn't matter right now. Do you have any healing spells, Ostrogon? Uh, healing? No, off the top of my head, no. What do you have? Ah. Why? And he looks around and he sees the bodies of Jessica and the horses, and he runs over to Gary and helps you to your feet. Hey, Mr. Markbottle, are you all right? Well, <coughs> 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 oh, gross. Your friends are in dire straits. <laughs> Fucking dash to Tony, whose like legs are up in the air, like twitching like a dead roach. Yeah, you, you see one of his hooves, <laughs> you can tell the leg is broken because of the angle that it's bent at. <gasps> and he is not responsive. A cyclops appears in the distance. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm gonna walk over to Jessica, make sure she's okay. 
Which she's not. You but. walk over to Jessica, and Jessica is not only unresponsive, she looks in terrible shape. There is blood gushing out of her nose. It looks like her shoulder's been dislocated, perhaps some broken ribs, and she is breathing very heavily and very slowly. Oh, boy. Oh, no, they turned into zombies. A, a tear streams down <laughs> Gary's face as he looks at Ostrogon. His majesty. His royal majesty. No, 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 not, not Tony. And he runs over to Tony as well. And he goes, also, Miss Felcher, but Tony. Tony. HPR. One, two, three. One, two, three. And he joins you, like, you pump on the upper chest and he pumps on the stomach. <laughs> To try and get the air flowing. <laughs> Thomas, do you not have any healing magic? He's a selfish warlock. Uh, well, unless I didn't pick all my spell <laughs> slots, I could get one right now. You <laughs> didn't think to get one when you leveled up? I didn't think I would need it today. Oh, <laughs> uh, fine. Jessica, make a death saving throw. Death saving throw. It's a 12. That is your first success. Thomas, you feel her continue to wheeze as you hold her in your arms. Gary, roll medicine with advantage because Ostrogon is helping you. Give HPR to Tony the Pony. Nine. Oh, no. Let's one fail on Tony. As you guys are giving HPR, you do so, and you're not quite sure what's going on, and you feel one of Tony's ribs crack under the pressure that you're exerting. Oh, stop, stop. You're hurting him. Sorry, I don't know how to do this. I've lived in a tower for so long. I breathe into Tony's mouth like I open his... You shove your head into his mouth, and you begin uh, breathing, and you see the stomach inflate. Jesus. Okay, that's doing something. Thomas, what are you doing? Okay, I'm still over Jessica. I have a spare the dying cantrip. A living creature doesn't have any hit points. The creature becomes stable, has no effect on undead or constructs, which none of these guys are. So, I'm going to cast that on Jessica. Thomas. From within your satchel, you haven't even noticed that your jacket has been blown off and is rolling in the dusty wind behind you. But you feel a, a tingling sensation emanating from your bag and you put your hand down to it and you hold that book and you feel that energy kind of transfer through you as you lay your hands on top of Jessica. And Jessica, from the void of death, you come back with one hit point. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> Hi. Are you okay, Jessica? I, what the? Oh my. What did I just do? Okay. Oh, that's painful. I. Okay, you're talking. Oh, that's a good sign. Goodness me. I'm gonna need everyone to roll for initiative. Oh no. Six. Fifteen for Jessica. Eight. At this point, as Jessica is waking, and as you give desperate HPR to Tony the Pony, while Wade and Popcorn lie dying in the desert. You hear from behind some of the stucco houses. I was kidding about the zombies. As three zombies begin to shamble out from behind some of the houses and towards the commotion. Good Jessica, God. you have just woken up and you see them approaching. What do you do? Oh, oh, I, oh boy. All right, yeah. Jessica is going to go ahead and cast a cantrip of uh, Firebolt at 
the closest zombie. Okay, roll that. Oh, son of a bitch. An eight, does that hit? An eight exactly, just barely hits. Jessica, just having woken up, still kind of like woozy from being passed out and bloody and arm dislocated, casts a firebolt and it almost misses, but it just hits the zombie as it does three fire damage. You shoot that firebolt out and you see it just barely strikes right along the neck of the zombie as it catches fire and you see some of that skin toast up and curl as it continues shambling toward you. It looks like it's hardly phase. <laughs> Next up are the zombies. The zombies are all gonna begin to close in on you. Ostrogon, Gary, and Tony, they are right on you. They are five feet away, but they can't quite make it close enough to hit you this round. Jessica and Thomas, same for the two approaching you. You see the one that Jessica just hit with the fire has focused its full attention on the two of you and is heading toward you guys for the easy meal, while the other one is heading towards Wade and Popcorn's bodies near you, seeing that they are just lying there, not really putting up a fight. Gary, it is your turn. Well, hold them off. just. Keep him. And he unlocks his suitcase, unfolds the rapier, and activates his rage as he charges at the zombie that's closest to us. Roll that attack. To hit, that's a 24. That absolutely hits. Roll for damage. 10 plus 2 for the rage is 12. Okay. Gary, you open your suitcase, grab that shield like still within the suitcase, pull out the collapsible rapier, swing it down, and just as that zombie is about to come down on Tony the Pony, Ostrogon lets out a, oh my goodness, and you shove your shield under its arms and swipe at it, and you manage to chop off one of its legs to hold onto its back, but it's still living, and you see it roll over and begin trying to crawl towards you now. Going Next up is Thomas. I run over to Popcorn and Wade. I go straight to Popcorn and I'm going to use, again, Spare the Dying. Yeah, describe this for me. Okay, again, my book lights up. I guess it's a green color like with Jessica. And I put my hand onto Popcorn to try to stabilize him. And you see that light transfer from your hand through the skin into Popcorn's chest. And you can almost feel Popcorn's heartbeat as you kind of see the leg like pop back into place and then Popcorn, still unconscious, begins breathing a little easier. Brings us around to Ostrogon, and you see Ostrogon, his hands are trembling, his little oval black sunglasses have fallen off, and he's trembling. Going on, on Tony the Pony, he says, what, what do I do, Gary? What do I do? Uh, give him the sandwich. And I throw him the sandwich. I'm desperate, man. Okay, you toss him the sandwich, and he is going to have advantage on this medicine check. <laughs> is medicine? Oh, God, that's a bad one. Okay, uh, is medicine intelligence or wisdom? Wisdom. Oh, he's very wise. He's very wise. He shoves that sandwich in Tony's mouth and begins opening and closing the jaws for him. And he uses like a little blast of teleportation magic to put the food into his stomach. And you see him pumping. He is jumping on his stomach with his feet and then doing a handspring onto his chest with his hands back and forth, back and forth, trying to get air in his lungs as he runs over to the mouth, breathes in, and you see Tony the Pony go, 
It's my boy. Stay with us. And Tony seems to stabilize. Oh, thank God. This brings us back around to Jessica. Seeing that we've got three coming at us and they've separated and are trying to take us all on, Jessica is going to cast the level one magic missile. I generate three glowing darts of magical force. Each is a purple and black swirling force of magical energy. I will direct one at each of the zombies, dealing three damage to each of them. Jessica, you conjure these bolts, they fly out, and you see them pierce through the zombies. You look at them and they're not wearing armor or anything. They're dressed in very plain, like townspeople, plains clothes, right? And the peculiar thing about them is that traditionally zombies are kind of worn down by the elements. You see the decaying skin. With them, you only see the white of the eyes, letting you know they're dead. And of course, their growl and their shuffle. But other than that, they seem to be really well kept. But as you fire these three darts, you see them pierce straight through each of the zombie's cuts, dealing three damage. And then this black, viscous blood begins to pour out of that little pinhole that you've created in all of them, wetting the shirts and the pants as this goop begins to drop down. It is now the zombies' turn. They are now all adjacent to their targets. Jessica, you see the zombie next to Thomas, Popcorn, and Wade go down to its knees, put its hands onto Wade, and begin to take chunks out of its stomach. Wade, no! You see a long intestine getting pulled out in the zombie's teeth as it eats. (laughs) And as you weep over that, the zombie next to you is going to try to attack you and roll to 19. Does that hit? That hits. That hits. Okay. And you take six points of damage as this zombie slams into you with its claws. And we hear the weeping turn to almost a yelp as Jessica's body thuds on the floor. And you begin to see blood ooze out of her shoulder. Next, the other zombie is going to attack Gary. Gary, does a 12 hit you? No. The zombie goes to bite at you, and you lift that shield and slam it down in front of its face, and it just kind of like presses its face into the briefcase. <laughs> Gary, it is your turn. Uh, how, how does the one look that I attacked? The one that you attacked is, especially with the magic missile, is now looking in pretty bad shape. Like, you could probably finish it off with one good hit. Yeah. So it's gnawing at your briefcase. Its leg is a few feet behind it as you see that black fluid kind of oozing out of both the hole in its center and where its leg used to be. And it is beginning to turn more and more pale as it continues to gnaw at your shield briefcase. Does a 12 hit? Yes. And that's nine damage. Describe how you kill this thing. So I go, stay away from my Tony. And I just pick up my foot and I stomp its skull into mush. You stomp its head into mush. And with the first kick, you hear the crack of the skull. You kick again. One of the eyes pops out. And the skull kind of fractures a little more. And you keep stomping. Eventually, its entire skull just explodes and splats. And you begin stepping into its brains and that dark necrotic fluid as it covers your shoe. And this is just a regular work shoe. (laughs) And you just keep stomping in this rage. Boom, 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 boom. To the point of like excessiveness. That Ostrogon is looking at you a little concerned. And he goes, Gary, are you all right? (laughs) 
Tony. Gary is dead. And I look for the next one, and like I'm not even looking at Australia. I'm just locked onto the next target. And you set your eyes on one of the remaining zombies as it looms over the unconscious Jessica Felcher. Next up is Thomas. This other zombie's closer, so I'm just gonna use shocking grasp on the one that's eating Wade. That is a 16. That hits. Roll for damage. Not as good this time. That's a two. And <laughs> describe this magic one. Okay, so my book starts glowing blue. I'm very confused. I don't know what's happening. And then uh, my hand turns like a bluish color. And I go and I grab this zombie by the neck off of weight. I lift them up and I zap them with electricity coming out of my hand. All right, you do that. You grab them by the neck. <laughs> As, like the electricity almost magnetizes him to your hand and you hold him by the neck and now it has set its eyes on you as it begins swinging its arms wildly ostrogon is up next and ostrogon is going to cast magic missile taking a cue from jessica but at a higher level so he gets to shoot out six missiles three into each of the two remaining zombies Four, three damage each. So each of them take nine damage. As you see Ostrogon conjure a little ball of energy, he raises it up above his head and then shoots it out and three missiles fly into each of the zombies. The one above Jessica gets peppered three more holes around its body, two in the chest, one kind of in the abdomen. You see that ooze begin to drip down as it goes. Part of its like stomach actually slops open and you can see the guts inside as it weakens. And then the one by the horses having just been shocked, it is swinging at Thomas and three of those bolts fly through its shoulder and its arm is beginning to fall off. Its left arm is only being held on by sinews as it dangles, but it can't really control it at all. And its right arm continues swinging at you as it also looks in terrible shape. Jessica, please roll a death saving throw for me. Rolling, rolling, rolling. It's a five. That is your first failure, Jessica, as you slip a little further into the dark abyss. <gasps> Next up are the zombies. Thomas, one of them is going to swing at you. Does a 12 hit you, Thomas? I have a 12 armor class, so yes. Meets it, beats it. And Thomas, you take four points of damage as it swings at you with its right arm and its nails lodge into your cheek and manage to rip a piece of your skin off. I am dead. And as he does that, you kind of feel that power that's been surging through you, that righteous justice fade as you become woozy. You feel the blood drip down your cheek and you pass out. Next, the one above Jessica is going to continue wailing into you. Oh, please God, no. Okay, does an eight hit you? (laughs) (laughs) If it had gotten a nine, it would have, but an eight does not hit. It goes to swing at you, but having just been peppered with the missiles, it is off balance and actually stumbles over your body. It ends up lying flat on the ground next to you and begins to roll over to try and bite at you on the ground. Gary, it is your turn. The closest one. They're equal distance. They're both about 10 feet. Then, yeah, I'm going to move northeast to the one that has just taken out Thomas. Okay. How does that zombie look? They are both looking in terrible shape. That one has that arm that is barely hanging on by the sinews. It is peppered with holes. The other one is, like, the ooze is almost entirely drained out of it, and it's prone on the ground. 23, I assume, hits. Correct. 
and I get an eight. You see the bolts of magic missile fly out, and then this zombie scratches at Thomas's face. You see his cheek cover in blood as he falls to the ground, and you charge at it. Describe how you take it down. I cut off the little tendons that were hanging that arm, and I take that arm and I start shoving it down the zombie's throat. Ooh! And Gary pulls out this wild streak as he runs up to the zombie, severs that arm, and begins shoving it down the zombie's throat. You see some of the folds of the mouth rip as it shoves the arm in, and it falls down to the ground dead. And then you see it begin twitching. And it looks up at you with glazed over eyes, looking incredibly weak, almost like it came back from death with just one hit point. <laughs> Gotcha. Next up is... Thomas, please roll a death saving throw. 18. That is your first success. Yay. Ostrogon is going to expend another use of magic missile. He's looking kind of drained. And so he says, Well, it is the best I can do for now. And you only see two bolts pepper each of the zombies. However, they each take... Ooh, 10 damage. As you see two more of those bolts, they are both lying on the ground, and they just fly straight into the center of their forehead. And they die as those bolts fly through their heads into the ground, almost leaving a little tunnel in the ground, and you are fairly confident they are not getting back up. <sighs> All right, Thomas, come on. Get up. I'm smacking his face. Come on, Thomas. Ostrogon runs over to Jessica and says... Miss Felcher, come on, you can do this. I, I can do what I did with Tony. Uh, Gary, is there another sandwich? No dice. They're going to die. We need a sandwich. <laughs> I, uh, human HPR. <laughs> and from somewhere behind one of the stucco houses, you hear a... <laughs> <laughs> what have you done? What have you done to my people? Oh no, 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 no. And you see this thin elven man with a goatee and these red circular glasses dressed in this tight vest and a neckerchief. And he runs over to one of the dead zombies' corpses and picks it up and he goes, <laughs> What have you done? What have you done? And he looks up at Gary and Ostrogon as Tony's beginning to sit up as is Popcorn. And he takes off his glasses, hands trembling. And you see his eyes light up with an orange glow. And he says, what have you done? <laughs> This has been Your Honor. Your Honor features the vocal talents of Nicholas Palazzo as Thomas Phelps, Michael Pisani as Jessica Felcher, and Nicholas Benetatos as Gary Markbile. The rest of the world is voiced by your DM, Giancarlo Herrera. This episode was edited by Michael Pisani and Giancarlo Herrera with sound design by Nicholas Benetatos. If you'd like to support the show, consider checking out the links in the show notes or go to patreon.com slash drimmers. Our patrons get access to exclusive perks like our after-the-show show, After the Drimbus, where we discuss behind-the-scenes and secrets, free exclusive merch, and the chance to create items for the campaign or have NPCs named after you. Oh, 
And don't forget to tweet using hashtag Drimbus to be entered to win a free Dungeons & Drimbus sticker. Thank you all so much for listening, and I do declare I'll see you all next week. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Sure I can't get you a drink? Uh, I, um... They'd had a moment, hadn't they? That afternoon when Garrett had smiled just like this, warm-eyed and amused in a way that made Tony want another cigarette, but also want to step forward and... Hey, Kate, what are you writing? Ah! New text post on Thursday, May 21st. Title. Why you should be watching Selkirk. So, Selkirk fandom. Who wants to read my 5,000 word essay, Garrett, last name, Secret Werewolf? I'm Kate, by the way. They kiss? I think I lucked out when I found Selkirk. Because if I'd loved something else, I would have made friends, and I would have been able to read a ton of great stories. But this way, I met you. Me and Day You, a new story about love and fandom from the Procyon Podcast Network.